warning, warning. Potatoes and pasta contain adult language and discussions of sexual content, substance abuse, domestic violence, and suicide. If you or someone you know is struggling, please seek help. We've included resources in the description. Additionally, we are not psychological professionals and we don't claim to be experts of any kind. We are barely experts in our own experiences. These are simply our thoughts and reflections on ourselves and our family with the purpose to entertain and indulge our own nostalgia. Do you ever feel that strong sense of patriarchy that's making everyone uncomfortable? Remember how you were mortified and didn't know why. Do you know why your one relative doesn't talk to the other? It's probably not as interesting as it's been built up to be. Hello, family. Welcome, you. This is our podcast. Potatoes and Pasta, a discussion about our family. I'm Spud. And I'm Mac. In this podcast, we will explore the experiences, stories, and dynamics of our shared upbringing. And how we've gotten by with heaping helpings of laughter, potatoes, and pasta. A reflection on our starchy family. Episode 1-10, Unresolved Tension. Our topics today are why we don't talk about that, because we don't talk about that. Privileges, the audacity of it all. Drama, they don't talk. Now, we're not talking about privileges like white privilege, but we're talking about certain privileges within the family, like Mm -hmm. I could get away with some shit that you never would, and then vice versa, kind of growing up. Right, or different cousins, depending on the aunt or uncle that's in the room, or different family members, depending on the situation, yeah. Yeah, more more personal, private privileges, or within a familial situation, so... Good morning, good afternoon, good welcome, good morrow, everyone. Welcome back. Mac, mm-hmm. we're a part of a family, right? We are. Okay, so there's bound to be some shit. Everybody, every family has it. Like, regardless of how a family looks, every family has, I think, those things that they don't talk about within their dynamic, and then there's also those things that they won't talk about with people outside the dynamic. You know, Uncle So-and-so, he's a lifelong bachelor. We mm-hmm. don't talk about that. Not in this right. good Catholic Christian home. Right. Yes, not that we're aware of. We've never had a gay uncle, again, that we're aware of. Yeah, that we're aware of. It's just one of those kind of situations. We are a a family of strong, strong, non-confrontational, passive-aggressives. We're never going to confront the problem directly unless there's, like, the, you know, the planets align just right. Yeah, it's very rare that we will engage in confrontation directly. We'll, we're more likely to do it with folks in our immediate family mm-hmm. than we ever are with folks in our extended family. Yeah, so, of course, tr- enter traditional like Thanksgiving dynamics. Everybody's just taking passive-aggressive pot shots at everybody and lobbing criticisms that were unwarranted and really unnecessary. And, uh, you know, so I guess we're pretty normal in that respect. Yeah, I mean, like, I guess it also, like, depends on the family, because I think something I didn't realize until Mango pointed it out to me was that, like, there are times when, even as non-confrontational as he can be, 
I think folks who like observe our dynamic as a couple would pin me as confrontational versus him. Mm-hmm. Kind of a running thing that I'm working on with him in terms of our communication is that he's like, you're so Midwest polite that's, that it stops you from telling you, telling me what you need from me. So I, I think that's also part of it is that like we're all we all being like us and our extended family tend to be very like Midwest nice with each other. And we don't think about it because it's just like how we like what we grew up in. Whereas like Mango's from Florida and like not that his family can't be passive aggressive or doesn't deal with things in their own ways that are similar to ours. But there is there's less like of that weird trying to be polite about everything. Yeah. Yeah. Mom will bury things and just, you know, we. We just never have to talk about that, and she's okay with it. I mean, she does talk about things and will engage in confrontation, but you can just tell it makes her skin crawl. Whereas our dad will mm -hmm. just seethe, not engage in direct conversation, and then be mad about it. And I think sometimes mad himself that he didn't confront something. I think that's a really astute assessment, and I think too that like it's it's reached a point where like we know that there are certain topics not to bring up in front of them because he will just sit there and seethe about it, and he can't move on. I think the difference between him and mom, though I agree with you that she like buries things, is that like for mom, it's more about her relative perspective. In the sense that, like, she, as we've mentioned in previous episodes, in her early to mid-20s, spent a lot of time in therapy, working through her childhood trauma. I think for her, it's like, either this is so small relative to that, it's not worth spending the emotional energy to deal with it, or she's felt she felt that she dealt with it already, and can thus say to everybody else, it's time to move on. Or just, I've accepted what I can't control. Wait, right, which is like a skill that I'm genuinely trying to work on in therapy. And like, I aspire to that level of Zen, but there have been times when it's been frustrating to receive that from her. I mean, after her, it was a few months after her and her sister buried their father at Universe, that they actually sat down and talked and like, they like, these are, are, are women in their mid to late 60s, and they just now started unpacking some of their shared childhood traumas and experiences. Yeah. They had to have a moment where everybody was out of the room. Everybody was either outside, because it was summerish, or in another room, and they started talking about those things. It was interesting to overhear. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was heavy to listen to, and it yeah. also... Frankly, like, mom did not process it well. I don't want to say that she didn't process it well, because I do think she processed it well, because she, like, addressed it, acknowledged it, like, spent a lot of time talking about it and thinking it. She didn't respond positively. She wasn't receiving her sister's truth, because that wasn't her truth. And so there was a bit of, like, don't taint my truth. A little bit, yeah, because they had very different experiences as did their younger brother so i think it's i think it's time i think it's time that we get into that if you're sure i mean that's the trying to just organically let it happen here mac jesus christ sorry but i've just we've we've hinted at it so many times in the other episodes i'm just Mm -hmm. saying that like i think it's time and we'll we'll dive even more in in the episode about our maternal grandparents the the truth of it is is that our 
our mom's younger brother wasn't raised with with her and Aunt Universe because our grandmother died as a result of childbirth. Because at the time, uh, they didn't know that women needed to be up and active after giving birth. And so our grandmother developed a blood clot in her leg, which ultimately killed her. And our grandfather, with two essentially toddlers at home, a four-year-old and a two-year-old, asked his brother to raise his son. But it turned into a shit show because nobody ever told our uncle who his biological parents were until he was already married to our aunt, was like in his early 20s. He was a fucking adult when he found out who his biological parents were. And that the people he thought were his cousins or his sisters, the person he thought was his uncle, was his dad. And we will refer to him going forward as, hey, brother, cousin. Yeah. It was, I think for that side of the family and like recent memory, it feels like the original sin. Like it feels like the original unresolved tension, the original thing that we don't talk about for that side of the family was that like he was raised by his uncle which, like, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I'm not saying that those those people did a bad job by any stretch of the imagination, but I can't imagine being in my 20s and finding out that, like, you, Spud, are actually my cousin, or that, like, mom and dad are my aunt and uncle, and Drunkle Pork is my dad. Like, it's oh. just... Right? Right? You know what I mean? Like, which was kind of the, the vibe there, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so in the way that he found out was just so god-awful. His wife was working at a grocery store. Our aunt was working at a grocery store at the time. Mm-hmm. And our grandfather's wife, who was a monster of a human being. He affectionately, our grandfather referred to uh, our mother's stepmom affectionately as the warhorse. Yeah, like she was a god-awful human being who emotionally and physically abused our mom and Aunt Universe. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the warhorse goes to the grocery store, signs a check with our grandfather's last name to pay for her groceries, hands it to our aunt, who has the same last name, and our aunt goes, oh, like, we have the same last name, isn't that funny? Small world! Yeah, and the warhorse asks, like, who her husband is. And then, because our grandfather had told his wife what had happened, told our uncle's wife the whole story right there in the middle of the grocery store while she's at work. Wasn't there a line forming? Thank you. you. Thank you. And <laughs> Didn't so, they like, have shit to do? Our aunt had to go home and be like, um, I met you'll a never, lady. You'll never believe what happened at work today. Right, right. A uh, stranger. Like, Right, comes up to me and says that she's your stepmother and that your uncle's your dad and that your dad's your uncle? Like, what the fuck? <sighs> wild. Just, absolutely wild stuff. And then and then our uncle, brother cousin, you know, essentially finds out that, like, his whole life's been a lie. Uh, it has been. And, I mean, that really fucked him up. Fucked him up so that... It impacts his relationship with our our mom and Aunt Universe, and it affected his relationship with his father continuously. I mean, like, he, understandably so, just, like, doesn't trust any of them. 
in a way that's like tangible and meaningful. Like every choice that our mom and dad made about our grandfather's care towards the end of his life, you know, it was like if they if they didn't tell our uncle they were excluding him purposefully. But if they told and they called and gave him regular updates, he would be like, Well, you don't have to tell me every little thing. And they were like, Well what what are we supposed to do? And it's just he like in my unprofessional opinion, he constantly as we're learning, a lot of people do when trying to deal with their trauma on their own, he constantly puts himself himself in situations to recreate it. He sets mom and aunt universe up to disappoint him yeah to disappoint him to unintentionally exclude him so that he can lash out at them for excluding him in order to have an outlet for that anger right when who he's really mad at is dead also didn't have the emotional intelligence to have a conversation with him about it when he was alive I mean, like, if there's anybody in our family that I could say, like, you're first in line to go to therapy, mm. it would be him. Like, he he just has He's so ne- little peace about his family. Which is so sad. It, it really is. Especially, and, and I know I speak from a place of, you and I speak from a place, uh, place of privilege. And as much unresolved tension as we're about to unpack, we really do have and have had a, a very good, solid childhood we talked about that a lot in some previous episodes i i really do believe that you know uncle brother cousin a lot to unpack and clearly yeah. needs to and i mean and every time he showed up you know he's never showed any malice or anger that i you know that we could tell or see but a lot of that would get channeled through his wife she would handle a lot of that confrontation against our mom and aunt universe and I, I think if mom hadn't been there, and dad's dad's substantiated this story before, mm-hmm. that honestly, if it wasn't for our mother, Aunt Universe and Uncle Brother Cousin would have never talked again, and let alone the whole family would have fell apart. Yeah. Our, our mom has been glue for that side of the family. It's not always a good thing. You know, you don't, because she can latch, much like our cousin uh, on the other side of the family, our cousin Karen she is a Karen, will cling to the idea of family Mm -hmm. in spite of the family. Yeah. Even if things are unhealthy, you push through it, you persevere. Yeah. Uh, No matter how unhealthy they continue to be, we're going to be a family again. Yeah. I really think, our mom, I think, also doesn't realize some of the hypocrisy she'll she'll throw out there. Like, you got to be a really good brother to your sister. Not that I don't strive to be a good brother to my sister, uh, it's just, I will look at her and be like, uh, when was the last time you called your brother? Yeah. Well, I think they're also at, like, different points in their their sibling relationship in the sense that, like, mom's been making a genuine effort to have a relationship with him for decades. And I think she's reached a point where she's like, if he wants it, I'm here. Mm-hmm. And it's always been an open door. But she will ignore his calls. Yeah, as much as he ignores hers. Mm-hmm. is the vibe there from from what I've gathered yeah so there, yeah there's so there's that like tension between like him and his sisters that plays a part in in a lot of th- like he has like a that that like branch of the family has like a standing invitation to every get together and every holiday 
our mom will call and invite him and they say no. And like, that's their choice. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm learning now as like an adult to respect that. But it, it's it's then frustrating to hear him talk about how excluded he feels when he doesn't accept invitations to the easy stuff. You literally just show up, get a meal, make small talk for two or three hours so you can get in your car and go home. And they used no, to do it. They and no used one's going to unpack the baggage then and there. No. Mm-mm. No, but I also can understand how it like how it serves as a reminder. Mm. that he might not be in a place to have but at the same time i mean like they used to they used to come around for christmas like when we were kids they used to come around for christmas and then it was like they just stopped and maybe something happened that we don't know about but she called me around the time of our grandfather their father's passing and was really frustrated about him she being our mom our mom yeah our mom called about her brother cousin mm-hmm. around the time of their father's passing mm-hmm. At that point, they had said that they are not coming to the funeral or visitation. Yeah, yeah I remember that. And so she called me to vent. I, I do remember saying something to her that I, I was just in a place to try to make her feel better about her frustration. Like, yes, you're valid in your frustration, this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. And also, like, you know, we're going to be over there in an hour and a half with pizza. So just for, you know, with, <laughs> with pizza and, and, you know, good times. So... But she was just going on and on about, like, you know, he's not going to show up. And I invite him to everything. And I don't know why he's got to be like this. And uh, I understand that things are tough and things aren't always easy and all this. But, you know, these are the moments you have to show up for. Mm. Agree with that sentiment. And I said his indignation to me would be a whole lot more interesting if it wasn't covered in crap. I know you thought it was your uncle, now your dad. But you've known this for 40 years now. Come on. you got to show up. Mm-hmm. And he did. And it was awkward, as it is every time. Mm-hmm. But, and I, this is what I love about our mom, too. Who was the maddest about him, but who was also the first to go give him a hug. Well, yeah. She loves him. She's, like, she, and she talks about this, too. Like, I don't think she ever didn't see him as her baby brother. They knew. They knew. Yeah. And you know, the whole mom time. knew the whole time. And it was just, you know, don't talk about it. He doesn't. And, yeah. and you and I have unpacked that in conversation before, too. No version, no, no, no comforting lie is ever going to be as good as the truth, as hard yeah. as the truth can be. Because yeah. the, the man clearly needs therapy. And, mm-hmm. and I, I don't say that in like a judgy way, like, oh, he just needs some therapy. No, I legitimately want him to feel better about his life. Yeah, I want I him legit- to find peace. Yeah, and, yeah, and a sense of calm. I mean, he's always had, like, the same job, but he's bounced from company to company. He's a truck driver. Mm-hmm. He drives the big rigs. Mm-hmm. You know, work has always been up and down and fluctuated for him. His wife's health has always been in wild flux. And then they had a huge falling out and ended up disowning one of their kids. We need more information on that subject. Yeah. Because their older, their oldest child came out as gay. I think it was a combination of that, and there were also all these issues with his other grandfather, mm-hmm. like with our aunt's mm-hmm. father, because our cousin was like in charge of his care, and there was all this drama there. Like Grandpa's yeah. husband. Yeah. We would go to, so our uncle, brother, cousin's wife's parents, we would go to their lake house for the 4th of July mm-hmm. very frequently, and I was really attached to the mom, mm-hmm. and I always called her grandpa. Which is oh, I didn't this, know that. Yeah, that was my name for her, Grandpa. 
we would watch fireworks on that lake, and they had this these long steps down from the house. It was on a big hill. Mm-hmm. And then you go down, and then they had, like, one of those swinging uh, love seats, like those big, those old wooden swinging love seats. And I just cuddle up next to her, and we'd watch the fireworks. Aww. And we did that for years. Mm-hmm. And it, they just had one of those, like, big farmhouse kitchens mm-hmm. where, like, the big table in the middle and the kitchen was on, like, the cooking surfaces were on the periphery and all that. It was just a cool house. Mm-hmm. It was a really cool house. We did a lot of visitation with them, and the, the cousin we're referring to, uh, uncle, brother, cousin's oldest son, also had, like, a, a learning disability. Mm-hmm. I, I think, yeah, there was an independence thing there. There was a caretaking thing happening there. And then, you know, there, there was... There was sexuality. There was a lot going on. Yeah. Why don't schools also teach, like, self-soothing? Mental health uh, capacity building. Emotion, how to teach yourself emotional intelligence and maturity. But those are the cousins that, like, most closely mirror us in age. Because mm-hmm. their oldest is within a year of you. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a little bit older. Mm-hmm. Their youngest is 15 days younger than me. He, as an uncle, brother, cousin, definitely felt himself. It was him versus everybody our else. Mom and, oh, yeah, versus everybody. Uh, versus the family. But in Mom and Aunt Universe, we're always closer. We talked about mom being the glue, and I think you're right in saying that, like, Aunt Universe would have never talked to him again if she, if she had the choice. I think very immaturely and very selfishly, Aunt Universe blames him for their mom's death. And Probably. I think she feels it more acutely than they do because she was older when it happened. Like, she was four, which is very young, but you don't forget something like that. No. Like, I remember being four. Mom was everything. Which is, I mean, it's fucked that she would do that now as an adult. She's in number two in line for therapy, by the way. Mm. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, like, I don't I don't think she calls uncle, brother, cousin. I don't think she maintains a relationship with him outside of... And that he probably feels that from her. He probably feels the blame. He probably feels yeah. the... Whereas mom, like, calls both of them and has a relationship with both of them independent of each other. You know, and that's not to say, too, that her relationship with the universe has been, you know, rainbows and butterflies and happy fires. Fuck no. Because Ant universe is, has, can really take a negative perspective on a lot of things. Yeah. And and our mom does strive to be more positive about things. Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, after that heart-to-heart we talked about earlier, I remember mom said to us, like, I don't remember anything that she was saying. I remember what she was saying, but it did not go down that way. And, like, we had a reminder, like, listen, Mac and I virtually had a, a, the same childhood, but we have two different, very different takeaways from things. Mm-hmm. I'll remember a situation and I'll be, you know, laughing and joking about it. And you'll be saying, yeah, but you push, you know, but so-and-so had pushed me out of the conversation. So I wasn't having a good time. Right. And so like there can be very different, very different takeaways from the same shared experiences. Oh yeah. Yeah. And like that, I think is where most of mom's unresolved tension with her sister comes from is that they have such different perspectives on their childhood and on different events that happened. I mean, part of that conversation and the part that really riled mom up was our aunt saying that our grandfather hit her Mm. in in an abusive pattern 
while he was at his heaviest point of drinking after our grandmother died. And mom was, I think she was offended for a number of reasons. I think she was offended because Aunt Universe's children weren't there, but we were. So like we learned that information about our grandfather in a way that like mom didn't like, but also wasn't a shared burden with Aunt Universe's children. Mm-hmm. So I think mom felt like it was unfair to us to learn that information. I think she felt her sister was being selfish by bringing that up. Mom genuinely has no recollection of her father being like that because apparently he was never like that with her. Which like I had to like remind her and give her examples of like other women and other people in our lives of like what did I say to her? I was like, I, I said, essentially, like, I'm not saying that you have to believe her. I'm asking you not to judge her. Right. She's speaking her truth. And that right. you don't have to agree with it. It's just her version of the events. And you're not, there's nothing you're going to do to change it either. Right. That's something you got to accept is that, you know, that's, that's the universe's point of view. Yeah. And that's her living memory. Right. You can accept like, and that's not my living memory either. Yeah. Both can be true. Both can be true for both people. And if you want to remember things in in a more positive lens, go for it. If you remember something in a negative lens, then that's what you remember. Right. You you might have to, again, unpack it later with somebody or realize, you know, so-and-so might, I'm not specifically referring to the beating, but if, uh, you know, if somebody bulldozed you in conversation that you, you know, thought you were a participant in, you know, just, you probably realize somebody didn't mean to do that to you. Yeah. Yeah. And in no way, like, excusing what he did. Right. And even Aunt Universe was like, that doesn't mean I didn't love him. That doesn't mean that he wasn't my dad. That doesn't mean as adults I didn't, like, because she did. Like, Aunt Universe, like, enjoyed an adult a more positive relationship with her father as an adult where they could like talk on the phone and she did confront him about those things Mm -hmm. at least towards the end she Mm -hmm. apparently had something she needed to say Mm -hmm. and she shared that that was part of her her story uh, that she shared with us too was that you know i went to him a couple years ago and i said what i needed to say Mm -hmm. and and that and i thought to myself that's mature yeah i don't know if mom did that I'm not sure if mom needed something to say, but, you know, home wasn't a a can of happiness. No, and I mean, even, I think mom struggled with her relationship with her father as an adult even more than her sister did. Like, there were times, I remember dad telling us, like, before we were born, our grandpa, like, wouldn't call her on her birthday, and she would be really upset about that. Like, he was not... He was not a good dad. He was not a good grandfather. He was very, yeah, very checked out from everything. And, like, that hurt her in different ways. Whereas, like, with her sister, again, despite having, you know, living in the same house, had, like, very different experiences. And I think that translated to their relationships with him as an adult. But they have a hard time talking about it. A good example is, like, a few years ago... More than a few years ago, because the godmother was was still alive. And, like, I think I was in, like, early high school. Mom really wanted the aluminum Christmas tree from her childhood. Oh, it's so pretty. It was so pretty. She loved it so much. Me, Mom, and the godmother went over to Grandpa's house, dug around in his barn, found it, brought it home, set it up, 
he had saved some of the ornaments and mom had found some online and like gotten like a bidding war with some other old white lady on eBay and like won a couple. She hangs it up and she's so excited for her sister to come over and see it on Christmas Day. So excited. And her sister walks in and bursts into tears because she doesn't understand why our mom would want that around because apparently she associates that tree with like the worst of her, some of the worst of her childhood memories of like their awful stepmother, their dad being a drunk. Like they had to sit down and mom was like, I'm really sorry. Like I didn't, I didn't know that it held all of those things for you. I was trying to do something nice and like share something with you. And I don't think her sister received that, but she now like doesn't keel over every time she sees it. Like it's become a staple at the house and like they've clearly talked through it, but. I mean, the godmother ended up demanding it because for our dad's sister, when she would stay with us, would sit in the room while this thing was going and just, it was therapy for her. It, it was, was very it, meditative for her. It, to it, just sit and it is. It. It's a beautiful piece. And it we, is. we now demand that it goes up. It, it, it does have a very calming effect. Just these two color wheels going as this thing spins. And mm-hmm. it's like the slowest disco ball ever. It, it's a beautiful beautiful piece and you know if she turned her tried to turn around and sell it she would get thousands thousands for that a friend of um, mine and the little professors went on ebay and like paid hundreds of dollars for one that's a quarter of the size Mm -hmm. and looks ratty as hell right so i mean you know it only came with like half the branches and so Mm -hmm. she still like put it up and it but it it was like peanuts christmas version of it right also, like, to that moment where Ant Universe is mad about this tree, Mom attempted to apologize, Ant Universe very little satisfies her. It's true. So, I mean, no level of apology or anything was ever going to be good enough. Mm-hmm. Ant Universe can be very bitter about mm-hmm. a lot of things. And once the damage is done, there is no rectifying that for her sometimes. No, she's not the most emotionally mature person. Our dad often talks about how, like, she didn't mature past a certain age, which, like, for folks who experience a loss the way that she did at such a young age is also very common. Not that that excuses her shitty behavior. It's just more of an explanation. Never. Never. She doesn't know how to accept an apology. She's very passive-aggressive about her needs and wants. She's the aunt that comes in and, oh, oh, I... You changed your drapes. Mm. And you went with that? Oh. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't change them for you, honey. I right. put it up because I like it. You're intending this is a showroom just to bring you through every six months to criticize. Yeah. If you want to be that kind of judge, watch the British Bake Off. Truly. Their tension as an adult is frankly that, like, uh, mom hates her husband. Our mother does not hate her husband. She hates Aunt Universe's husband. Yes, that's what I meant. But <laughs> I hate my sister because my husband's an asshole. No. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that. No. I would love that energy for them. I mean, and that kind of like hypothetical would work well if it was the sister hooked them up and got them together. But I'm sorry, you chose to marry the person. My husband's a son of a bitch and I cannot stand my sister for it. <laughs> I love that we just fell into that. Go ahead. No, but mom hates her brother-in-law. Yeah, so does dad. And so does dad. Um, And 
I frankly have reached like a nice neutral position on him. I've actually caught, I, I felt bad for him recently, and that's I've never experienced that. We we uh, it was a couple of Christmases ago. We encountered a very tender moment mm-hmm. of his self-loathing, mm-hmm. and we had never never like this is a this is a hunter. I'm sorry, he fancies himself him hunter. We've never seen him bring anything home. He's an NRA enthusiast, paying member. And then, like, when our dad is at the range with him, I, I felt bad for him then, too. You know, he got so startled by the indoor gun range that he sat there shaking and crying yeah. until everybody else was done and just took him back home. You know, he just really strives to be a big macho man. I, I don't judge him for... I do judge him. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to lie. I do judge him. It's just, if that's what he thinks he needs... I think it's misguided. Just be you, man, and just calm down and stop trying so hard to be something you're not. Yeah. That's really the the, the sentiment I get out of him because, you know, he uses phrases like, "Oh well, we're we're the bros out in the uh, barn and the women are in the kitchen." Are, are you really gonna tap into that draconian sense? Sure. Yeah. Oh, oh, you think that it still resonates? Okay. Anyhow, he does not run his household, by the way. Aunt Universe does, obviously. Nobody really likes this guy. But we felt bad for him because he spilled something. He spilled a drink. Well, he was really stupid, and he thought he was going to lift the coaster with a full glass on it to transfer it to a new location. And, of course, he spilled it. I heard him whispering to himself, stupid, 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 stupid. You're so stupid. And I, I felt really bad. I'm like, oh, he hates himself. No wonder he's the way he is. Doesn't excuse his awful behavior, the no, wild no. things that come out of his mouth. Yeah, and also everything I've heard, his parents were trash. Living garbage. Yeah, like so I'm not I'm not surprised that he has poor self esteem and it does like explain his bad behavior. But yeah, no, I had this like I think it was the same Christmas. This very tender moment where, like, Mango and I are sitting in... We're just, like, sitting in her front room. And that's the other thing that we should mention is that Ant Universe's trauma really manifested in undiagnosed OCD. Yeah, it's uncomfortably immaculate. It's a showroom. So we're sitting in the in the front sitting room, Mango and I, just, like, trying not to breathe on anything. And you have to take your shoes off at the door and your socks. Not really. Yeah, it's that level of... And he just meanders in and sits in one of the chairs and just starts asking us about our life. How's work? How's this? What are you up to? And I just had this moment of looking at him and being like, you, whether we wanted you or not, are part of this family. Mm-hmm. And you have been for decades. And I yeah. just had this moment of just like tenderness of like, and you know what? You kind of give a shit about us. You're like, you're genuinely interested in what's going, even if it's coming from a place of like filling the silence and small talk, like you're asking us about us. That is something Ant Universe is really good at. Mm -hmm. She always asks and like genuinely wants to know. Cause like, if you notice too, like if you're, if if she's engaged in a conversation with you or I or one of our partners Mm -hmm. and like one of her kids comes up to her, like her adult kids who are 10 years older than us, she will literally shoo them away. I'm in the middle of a conversation with your cousin. Dude. I need this. Right. <laughs> she I loves need, us. They I both, need. they both do. But yeah, like he came in and was just like, hey, how's it going? And then we just like sat and shot the ship for a while. And like, they are not inhospitable. They're not. They're not. And it was just kind of like, I, I just had this moment of being like, you're familiar and your family... 
Yeah, like I saw him and I was like, and you're getting older and that kind of makes me sad. But like maybe one day, like, not maybe, definitely, one day, like, you're not going to be around. And that kind of makes me sad. I, I definitely feel like it's an unrequited, unrequited. I messed it unrequited. up. Unrequited. Uh, unrequeathed. There you uh, go. <laughs> uh, unrequeathed affection. Because I remember when his sister died, we were at that funeral, and I remember him, like, clinging to our dad, clinging, Mm -hmm. and and just sobbing into our dad's shoulder, just, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for being here. Because mom was roommates with his sister at one point. Yeah, like, they were really good friends. She was bridesmaid or maid of honor. Maid of honor. And our parents Yeah, Uncle Lasagna's sister was our mother's maid of honor. She passed of ovarian cancer uh, in her 40s or 50s. She was the nicest, one of the nicest human beings on the face of the planet. You know, I get a little sad to this day thinking about her husband, that she widowed, who's also a wonderful human being. He still and, sends our parents, I mean, our parents, like, correspond with him via mail. Like, they write each other right, letters. And, right. and yeah. literally, Uncle Lasagna was the black sheep of their family, who was just, you know, the shitbag that everybody ignored. But I just remember, like, he, I think he really appreciates our family. Yeah, because they, like, well, the, the story, as far as I know it, is that Uncle Lasagna's parents didn't approve of his sister's relationship with with him so our parents like were their family like our mom and his sister lived together like they hung out they did stuff together in like their early 20s like they were they were like a little found family together like they spent a lot of time together and so i think what well also his parents forbade Aunt Universal Uncle Lasagna from attending our parents' wedding because they were so accepting and approving of Uncle Lasagna's sister's relationship. And so, but I, yeah, I think too that like, I mean, we call him an uncle even though he's not technically our uncle, but like what that uncle likes about our parents is they, well, they've known each other for so long, for starters. I think that does a lot for people I'm like learning as I get older. But that like, they also like, they knew and loved her. And yeah. I mean, they, they they went to his wedding to his his new wife, and yeah, like they hang wonderful. out with them, and yeah, she's great, and yeah, but yeah, but Uncle Zania and Aunt Universe, there's just yeah, there's so many times that he's well, he's really cheap, and so like our dad really versus the world, um, so Voltar versus the world, and one of his biggest nemeses has been Uncle Lasagna for all mm-hmm. these years. And it's because uh, one of the things Uncle Lasagna is so fucking cheap. Like, we'll be out at a restaurant having dinner. It's time to pay the bill and tip. He will not tip. And so our dad, over the years, has ended up tipping on behalf of both parties. Or if our father and mother decide, hey, we're going to get the table, our father has had to learn. You don't let them know that beforehand or else he will order the most expensive thing on the menu. And so you let them know just as a bill's about to come, oh, we'll grab that too. It's on us tonight, guys. Because he will turn to his uh, universe and say, this is what you're getting off the menu because it's the least expensive thing. Right. It also just so happens to be like her favorite thing at this point in time, fish and chips. Right. So she orders nothing else. Yeah. But yeah, our dad really has a lot of tension with him. Yeah, but you're so right about it being like, the ten- the tension isn't unrequited. Uncle Lasagna's love for our father is unrequited. 
Dad does not hold the same amount of affection or respect for Uncle Azania that Uncle Azania does for our dad. But, here's the caveat. Mm -hmm. Our dad gets off on those interactions. Not like literally, but it's, our father loves nothing more, and we've spoken about this before, loves nothing more than educating other people. A captive audience. Yeah. Who better to hold down and and force feed, fire hose down someone's mouth information that they're never going to retain so that I can then do it again later? Yeah. But Uncle Lasagna. It is a weird symbiotic relationship. The affection is not requeathed. There is definitely a a symbiotic relationship involved there. Because Dad, our father, does get something out of it. And he, he gets to be a superior pompous asshole. Yeah, loathe as he is to admit it. It's just the truth. Because we talk about, you know, hey, we're going to go into this family interaction. We're going to be a team. We're going to be a unit. We're going to be strong. And then Mr. Captain Wildcard over there. All of us are sitting. You know, we give him the tap out signal and he completely ignores us. Yeah. And then we're out in the car waiting, mm-hmm. burning gas. Mm-hmm. And it's 45 minutes later. Five, 45 minutes later, he realizes, where's my fucking family? <laughs> yeah. The man res- resumes consciousness. Right. And there's a, I guess it's time to go. Right. Oh, sorry, sorry. Comes shuffling out of that house, headed in the garage to put his shoes on. Comes shuffling out. And he'll never admit it, but with the biggest grin on his face. I know. He's always Every so time. happy to see his whole family in the car waiting for him. He's just like, hi, Cause, guys. Because literally, we are always ready to go when he is. He doesn't have to beg us to go. What a good gig <laughs> for him. Damn. For him. It's the right. ideal scenario. It is. And he will piss and moan the whole way out there. Yeah, he will. And the whole way back. Right. <laughs> the man's Despite a Despite having the most fun out of everybody. Oh, all my days. I know. All my days. Yeah. But that's that's the big one on mom's side of the family. Is like between mom and her siblings, there's a lot of like unspoken, unresolved tension. Well, mom will beef. Mom will beef with our uncle, cousin, brother's wife. Who I have in my phone is crazy. She is a little unhinged on Facebook. It's uh, it's but not pretty. Decades of opioids will do that to you, though. It's true. Her health issues are innumerable. Uh, yeah, innumerable. And I and I, I don't. Uh, some of it I know is related to her back. That's literally the extent of what I know. But it's just like <laughs> it is extensive, and it has been decades of pain. And I, we really shouldn't be laughing, but it has left her. In person, she's fine. Like, she is, you can have a conversation. She's very polite. She's very cordial. She's very funny. Like She's a I, social media warrior, though. She is, but, like, I, I had zero qualms introducing her in person to Mango at Grandpa's funeral, and they, like, did the little small talk thing, mm-hmm. and, like, it was cute, and it was fine, and she, like, pulled me aside later and was like, he's very cute and very nice, and I was like, thank you. He's been around for seven years. I plan on keeping it that way. Like, <laughs> like Yeah. You've been, you've been at home on your 30-year bender. Right, right. Oh, it was Things so have been funny. happening. Right, because her son, we were at the, the funeral dinner, and she I ventured... She was lovely to the little professor, too. I know, I know. Yeah, like, I'm not surprised. Yeah, like, so, totally fine in person. And, but it was funny, because her, her son, who is the cousin I'm closest in age with, we're, like, two weeks apart. So fucking, it's just so fucking wild to me. Like, we're at the salad bar at the restaurant for the funeral dinner, and he goes, so that's the boyfriend, huh? And I looked at him, and I was like, yeah? What about it? And he was like, seems like a good guy. And I was like, okay. 
But I like in, internally though, I was like, you are literally seven years too late to this party. Like he's been around. You have not. Like, what are you saying to me right now? He, he like, also brought his girlfriend, and we, we are not interrogating him. Right, right. Well, I like, but or I, her. like. No, when we got back to the table, I was very polite and, like, asked them how they met, and we, like, had, like, a very nice conversation, but I was like, you cornered me at the fucking salad bar in our local seafood restaurant to be like, so that's the boyfriend? Hey. So, like, to, like, the most pregnant pause in the conversation, and I, I don't remember if it was you or me, but one of us just says, so, how'd you meet? It was me. It was me. Because I was like, who the fuck are you? I was like... Everybody else here knows who Mango Bitch, is. Bitch, I don't know you. Right. I was like, well, everybody else knows Mango. Everybody else knows the little, per- like, Grumpy D and Minnie, like, came up to, to Mango and, like, gave him hugs and handshakes. Like, the, the family members who are, like, you know, legends. And around. Right, and around know who Mango and the little professor are. I was like, but you want to corner me? Sitting there marveling at her mom, mouthing Grumpy D. I know. Tonguing his face Stop while his it. wife watched. Stop um, it. Yeah. yeah, then we realized other people were there. Yeah, I was like, who's this? I was like, no, 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 you don't get to corner me at the salad bar. I'm cornering you. I was like, who's the hey, broad? Who's right, the broad? A, you're seven years too late. B, this is never a role that you were meant to fill. And C, who is she? And why did you bring her to our grandfather's funeral? Whore. No. She's actually very nice. And I really like her. I didn't think they're a great match. But like, <laughs> but I was just like, you don't get to. Nope. You don't get to do this. You don't get to. Mango's family. Well, and, if that, if that isn't like the perfect way to sum up that side of the family, you are years late to the table on this. It's true. Better late. I like that cousin. That cousin and I get along very well in person. But his mother is a social media nightmare. Mm-hmm. She's constantly sending messages that never get answered. She's she, a spammer. Yeah, she like she's the she's the equivalent of the early two thousands like chain mail virus. She is Michael Scott, the mm-hmm. king of forwards. And she's queen. Like I I mean she's just. There's a post on Tumblr that goes around every once in a while that I love that's, like, one person saying, like, so so who's the real you? Like, is it you on social media or is it is it you? And then the response is always, like, it's both, bitch. It's me and the mask I wear. Like, mm-hmm. fuck around and find out is kind of the vibe. But, like, the yeah. stark difference between her on social media and her in person is jarring. Mm-hmm. It is jarring. And she has said her fair share of bullshit to our mother that has, always has me just, like, ready to ready to throw it out well, if you know, I have to. You know, that's the classic human to social media. You know, you don't have to deal with it face-to-face, so you don't have to be tactful. And therefore, you don't really care about your the, the consequences of your actions. And that's yeah. why when people say, like, you know, oh, I got put off Twitter, I got, you know, cancel culture, fuck you. You would have never said that to somebody's face. Exactly. And, and, and being, you know, having your social media taken down is not a dissolvement of your freedom of speech. You can still go up to anybody you want and say what you want, but mm-hmm. you won't do that. Right. You are, you are no longer shielded from social media. Yeah. The last thing I want to say about mom and her siblings before we move on is like the most recent one, even before our grandfather's funeral, is that Aunt Universe had cancer for a year or two and didn't tell brother cousin 
then he got mad at our mom for that. He got mad and his wife got mad. They, like, ripped into her, into our mom, for not telling them. And mom was like, it was not my business. Well, Angel Despite told the her, fit, don't tell. Don't tell him. I will call him. I will tell him. And mom would, whenever she talked to her sister, would be like, you have to tell him. Please tell him. Because she knew. She knew mm-hmm. that if he found out any later, it would be this... He's being excluded again. He's not, you know. We're setting they, ourselves up again. You're doing yeah, it. We're, yeah, we're setting ourselves up to, yeah, for this situation to happen again. And she just, she didn't do it. And so they found out eventually and ripped into mom for not telling them. And mom was like, I, I don't know what the fuck you want me to do. I told her to tell you. It wasn't my business to tell. Like, there are days when I think it would have been, when I when I think about what it would have been like to have more siblings than, than just you and I. Why? And then there are more days where I'm very grateful that it's just the two of us. Because there's no, Why? there's no, he said, she said, it's just like, this thing happened and I need to call my brother and that's the only phone call I need to make. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, we, I think we dabbled in it when we had um, the little bandit around a whole lot more, but even still. I mean, it was fun. Yeah. Like and and like having our partners adds that right. like another layer of like family and like vibes like sibling vibes. Yeah, there are days when I'm like, if there was another one of us, God knows. All my days. So shifting to no, we're still on that side of the family with. Yeah, I know. Ant Universe. Ant Universe had children. We've we've shared that. So their youngest child. We are going to refer to her as the convert. We've talked about her before. She was the one who was super, got super religious on us at Christmas time. Mm-hmm. You know, that's asinine in our book. She was very close to our dad. Loved him. Loved Uncle Voltar. Mm-hmm. Uncle Voltar was fun. He was silly. And she had four to five years of that. And then our mother was pregnant with me. And that ruined it for her. Yeah. Our parents, that's not an exaggeration. That's like documented family lore that she, she was up, pissed. Yeah, like after I was born, they brought you know them around uh, to be introduced to you know the new baby. She literally turned to our mom and said, "Put him back." Yep. He took Uncle Voltar away from me. Put him back. I don't want him here. That really just set the tone for a long time. I remember reading that like one of her. Goosh, I was maybe eight nine and she had like one of those like she had her first like boy girl birthday party oh all her friends were over Mm -hmm. and she was being such i'm gonna say it she's being such a cunt (laughs) to me specifically Mm -hmm. i i was just trying to be a part of the party too i was just a kid yeah i don't want to see why my older cousin had to be so goddamn mean to me yeah and so it was a pool party so do you know what her mother did what did Aunt Universe do? She turned to her husband and says, why don't you go plug in the garden hose for Spud to play with? And Uncle Lasagna's doing that. She says, you've got all these kids here in their bathing suits. Hose them all down. What a queen. I embarrassed the fuck out of them. I just went, this was Tasmanian devil. I am running around with a hundred foot hose, spraying all these kids with ice cold water. Our cousin, the convert, being mortified. Her older sister was was enjoying, but I just remember getting out of there, too, and Mom kind of read me a little bit. She's like, mm-hmm. you really shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have gone so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'm not mad that you did it. I'm mad that you had so much enthusiasm when you did it. <laughs> I remember going from like being such a like sad place as a kid to like such elation as a little queen. How do I pull focus? Right. <laughs> this is clearly somebody else's goddamn birthday party, <laughs> and I come in like a fucking bulldozer. Okay, but and her own mother and father focus? set you up to do it. Well, they do, uh, there's times where I think there's wisdom in those people. So, like, fast forward another 10 years, and she had met her now husband. Mm-hmm. And we've got to say, like, them pre-kids were, like, before they had children, were a lot of fun. Yeah. We get all, all the holidays, and, like, suddenly we're clicking. We're, we've all grown up a little bit. Like, I was drinking at that point, like... I was legally drinking, so I was, like, 21. They had that cute house down where you live now. We have age-appropriate conversations. We're talking about, you know, we're hanging out. I remember, like, fucking dancing with her in our, our family room to Christmas yeah. music. And, like, we were really close. And, like, we were a lot of, we had a lot of fun. And she, we would call each other every once in a while. Mm-hmm. As soon as they had kids, they changed. Not for the better. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I brought little professor around, they refused to interact. Yeah. Like refused, refused. Mm-hmm. No hellos, nothing during the course of an evening or a holiday. Said goodbye to literally everybody but me and him. How do we come back from that? Yeah. And so like, there's been this huge up and down with her and me. Honestly, I don't feel like I've missed out on anything though. It's not like I'm like, oh, I just really, I miss. No, I don't. I'm fine. Yeah. You know, I'm not sitting around kicking my can. Yeah. Thinking, you know, oh, I just, you know, missed when so-and-so was, so we still talked. Yeah, I'm fine without it. I mean, it would make the holidays nicer. I'm no, not trying to convince you to miss no. her or anything. We did one better. We cut them all out of the holidays. Well, you're right about that, but I'm saying, like, even the minimal interaction that we do have at the holidays could be more pleasant if they were less fucking rude and bigoted like is what i'm saying that that is a possibility but it's not anybody it's not anybody on this phone call's responsibility to make that happen agreed much like our mother i'm here when she's ready and there will be a conversation she's not ready for i mean so that's like one of the few people i have unresolved tension with in the family yeah yeah i mean yeah there's a few folks at work uh, just because I thought they were closer than we were. Yeah. And then I started realizing their values and the things that they care about and their political views that I wildly disagree with, the way they treat people. But, yeah, within the family. Our dad really likes to hold the grudge. He's a passive grudge holder, which I know sounds weird because of how angry he does get. But I, I say it that way because, like we mentioned earlier, like, if you don't bring it up, dad's a very chill guy. Like, he's just hanging out, having a good time, vibing. He's here for the laughs. Right, vibing, holding court. But if you bring up a number of either things that have happened or certain people, it is a complete 180 Zero to 60. He's hooting and hollering. He's pissed off. He's going to stew for the rest of the day on it. When you think he's fine, you go, are you okay? And he goes, no, I'm still pissed off about that the thing that got brought up. And you're just like, Jesus Christ, it was three days ago. Like, mm-hmm. he, yeah, he hangs on to stuff, but not in a way that, like, actively deters his day to day. But it's when it gets brought up. And there's there's a long list of criminals on his in his rogue gallery so to speak and they do not know what they did no they have zero clue what they did but he's so mad he's so mad except Um, his brother his brother knows what he did 
His brother knows exactly what he did and revels in it. That was stupid. Yeah, so more generally speaking, dad hates any grocery store bagger and any high schooler working at a fast food restaurant. Anywhere. Literally anywhere. If you are under the age of 18 and working in a service industry role, our father hates you, and I'm sorry. At this point, I'd say anybody who's 20 years or younger than him. Mm, Yes. Really? Yeah. Because he was, he worked at a market and was a bag boy, and of course he was the best. I mean, where he comes up with this knowledge. Metric, I have no idea. Based on what? The fact that you continue to get paid to do what you're doing, so are they. You're Can not you say fault. with 100% certainty that he never put... I'm sure that he would if you asked him this question of, can you say with 100% certainty that you never put anybody's eggs at the bottom of the bag and you, that you always put their bread on top? He would be like, yes, I can, with like the utmost right. confidence. I never, I never put crushables with naan. Never. I How ne- dare you I was fly. trained properly. Right. Green. Yeah, but I also find it was so funny the other few weeks ago we like got our groceries and they squished our bread and I like popped off about it and Mango was like, "Are you well?" and I was like, "Uh." Are you done for the car? Are you done? Right, and I was like, "I'm having a moment where I'm being my dad. Can you give me like five minutes to calm down?" Slips <laughs> like, "Yup." Go take an angry nap. Right. <laughs> yeah, so I I mean there was one pinnacle moment where he really really lost his cool. Over the dumbest, and that's the thing about our father, he will go zero to ninety about the dumbest shit. But yeah, the I think big stuff. I that in the episode about him. He is so chill, and okay. so about crises happen. All right, what are we gonna do? Let's get through this. Right. Okay. Great. 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 But this poor kid put, uh, you know, squishes a loaf of bread. He starts screaming. He's at Mach five. Screaming. Oh my God! I don't know if I told this story. I remember we had the the childhood dog, the Golden Retriever, Mm. and she had gotten underneath the grill outside in the summer, and chicken grease had dripped on her head. Like a very small patch of chicken grease had had dripped on her head. He lost it. Like, you would have thought that she died. Like, he was... Just like him and and hawing out in the backyard. What was the problem? That he had to clean her up. Oh, not that she got people food? No. So, me, being the ignorant 10-year-old that I was, grabbed the dog by the collar, walked her over to the hose, started washing it off, and looked at him and said, it's not that big a deal. Which only served to pop him up to the next level as I got reamed for telling him that his fe- the way he was feeling was not a big deal. Don't you tell me it's not a big deal. If it's a big deal to me, it's a big deal. And I was like, oh, my. I was just like, okay, Dad, I'll do it. Like, I like I just, like, cleaned her up, and she went about her merry fucking dog life. What about the time and she I, dug a hole? And he you know, he shook this dog into oblivion, screaming at her at the top of his lungs outside. I'm standing outside thinking, what are the neighbors going to think? Right. And, you know, they're going to call police because of a domestic. It's the grocery bag boy and the loaf of bread all over again. Right. So back to the grocery bag boy. He flat out threw the loaf of sliced white bread that cost him a whole dollar seventy-five on the ground mm-hmm. in the kitchen and proceeded to scream, I wish they could not crush my fucking bread. Because <laughs> they got goddamn teenagers working at the store who don't know what the hell they're doing. Which point our mom just kind of stared at him with a very exasperated look on her face and says, we'll get another one. 
Right. Like, he's just, like, yeah, he just pops <laughs> off at the smallest shit. It felt like it wasn't unsalvageable or that the bread still wasn't edible. They had to open the bag. Not like they had to open the bag and, like, pissed in it. Right. Can you imagine getting, like, a piss-soaked bag of bread? Fuck. <laughs> Someone hates you. <laughs> Someone actively hates you. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, so that's his, like, day-to-day struggle is just, like, not letting the small shit send him into the stratosphere. But his, like, lifelong stuff that we, we know not to bring up on his side of the family, we know not to bring up his oldest niece and nephew's weddings. Godmother's because, children. Both of them. Yeah, the godmother's children. Both of them committed unforgivable sins in his eyes uh, at both against of their the weddings. Family. Right, against the family. His oldest nephew, Copper, bar crawled from the ceremony to the reception and showed on up the to one see. Day. That wedding didn't happen on a Sunday. Dad has never forgiven him. I don't Only because he had to wait two hours for the reception to start. Oh. That's fair. And he was very hungry. I remember being very hungry. Well, his mom was also getting very drunk. Yeah. That and was so was Uncle Lasagna. Yeah. And the divorced husband of the cousin. On the other side, mom's family showed up. Because uh, there'd be an open bar. Yeah. It was messy. Copper's sister, Karen. That wedding was messy. We drove eight hours to go to her wedding in a different state. And she got married during Lent, which we were practicing Catholics at the time, which meant that we didn't... I have forgotten that nonsense. You have forgotten about that part? Yeah, she got married during the Lenten season that year. And so that meant that we weren't eating meat on Fridays. But her rehearsal dinner was at a Friday. And she had her rehearsal dinner at a steakhouse. And we couldn't eat the food that she had paid for. We weren't part of the rehearsal dinner. Right, we would, well, no, 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 we were invited to the rehearsal dinner at the last minute, and then we got there, realized it was a steakhouse, and there wasn't anything for us to eat, and so then we left early and went to a diner where we could get fish and chips and grilled cheese sandwiches. No, girl, we were sitting there. They had a whole section roped off for the wedding party, which Drunkle Pork was at. He. That's right. He forced himself into the wedding party at the rehearsal dinner. We were sitting at the other area, like three or four tables away, like we were regular patrons. That's right. Like we weren't part of this re- this rehearsal dinner. That's right. Sitting there staring on the outskirts. Yeah. That's what pissed him off. That's well, that's what pissed him off about that. And then it was he opened the menu and there's nothing me or fucking family can eat here. Yeah, and so then we yeah, then we left and we went to this diner and got grilled cheese and fish and chips and had Girl, a you don't time. you mean we didn't eat there? No. He, we didn't eat there. He I took didn't us to a different that restaurant. Yeah, that's the part that I remember. We walked. We walked. I don't remember that part that we walked. Mhm. We walked and I remember that we walked because and I'll get into this because Karen is the cousin that I have unresolved tension with. And because I remember us going up to them and saying that we were leaving and her telling me that like, oh, well, when we get back to the hotel, like, let's have a girls night. And I remember walking out to the car and crying and you being like, why are you crying? Like, what's going on? And mom being like, she knows that that Karen lied to her and that that's not actually going to happen because Karen's going to get super drunk with her friends tonight. Like, I don't know why she'd say that. 
we're not allowing our, our eight-year-old kid to go in. And, uh, it wasn't and, uh, eight. Thank you very much. I was like 13, but still, you're right. Like, it would have yeah. been completely inappropriate. So, yeah, and then the the gravest sin that the both of them committed at their wedding is that they didn't get, there's no proof that we were there. No pictures were taken with us as a, as a family at either of their weddings. The only way that we know that we were at Copper's wedding is because I was a junior bridesmaid and I was included in like a handful of photographs. Mm-hmm. But there's no photographic evidence. Like we don't have pictures of us as a family from their weddings. Didn't you starve yourself to fit into that dress? I did not starve myself, thank God. Uh, but it was very poorly planned because they asked a growing 11 year old to be their junior bridesmaids and then bought my dress and then were shocked and so disappointed when eight months later it didn't fit me i just remember you looked emaciated in it that's because uh the morning before we left for the funeral this is also this also probably contributed to dad's anger if i'm being honest was like having to watch me go through this now that i'm really thinking about it we had to go to the David uh, David's bridal to find me a different dress mm. in which uh, it was so small I, I couldn't even wear a bra and they had to buy me a corset and squeeze me into it because it was the only dress that fit with the wedding party's color scheme that they had in stock at the store. Mm. It was not pleasant. No. I do remember you being really uncomfortable. I was miserable. Yeah. But so copper our copper cousin, he obviously invited his grandmother, and she got wasted. Yeah, which was, you know, dad's problem to have to deal with, because nobody else thought to, yep. like, set boundaries with her. Yeah, we were an hour into waiting, the two-hour mm-hmm. waiting game before the actual party showed up, wedding party showed up, and we can start, you know, the rehearsal. I'm sorry, the actual reception. Mm-hmm. Our mom had to go tell the bar- bartender, that 80-year-old lady over there is cut off. Right. She was already four wines in on an empty stomach mm-hmm. and was acting a goddamn fool. As always. As always. But then uh, cousin Karen did not invite our grandmother. So all her aunts and uncle, her mom and then all her uncles are there, but their mom isn't. And her wedding came before Copper's, right? Yeah. So she was the first grandchild to get married and she wasn't invited because they didn't. As she put, she didn't want the drama, but then ended well, up doing just fine all on her own. Yeah, she did totally fine on her own. Don't even fucking worry about it. Um, yeah, well, it, the excuse was she didn't want the drama. The reality was that, like, it would have been too long of a car ride. But that doesn't mean that you don't invite her. Mm-hmm. It was fucking like rude. Like father said, the invitation can be just as important. Yeah. But, you know, but then they got uh, drunkle pork. So drunk. Oh, at Copper's wedding? That he didn't remember his wife's last name. He had remarried, and she she has never taken her last name, which is totally fine and totally her choice. But she had made the hotel reservation. And so, yeah, he got so drunk at Copper's wedding that he went back to the hotel room, and all he could remember was his own last name. Well, the only people with that last name registered at the hotel was us. So at 2 in the morning, there's banging on the door saying... We've got your brother, and our dad went to the door, didn't even open it, and shouted back, you can fucking keep him. You still got him. Yeah, you still got him, and then, like, came back to bed and told us to go back to sleep. Like You still got him. Go away. Yeah. It's not there dad's fault. I love, I love our father's gangster. Oh, my God. He's so... Yeah. But you know he didn't sleep Oh, my God. No. He spent the whole rest of the night, A, seething, and B, worried that his brother was drunk in a gutter somewhere like 
but didn't care enough to go find him. But didn't care enough to, like, actually open the door. Right, that's Dad's whole dilemma. Man, I'll face natural consequences. Yeah, so we know not to bring up either of those weddings in front of him. Speaking of Jungle Pork, Dad still harbors some childhood grudges because of the five of them, those two were the ones that had the hardest time getting along was our dad and, and Drunkle Pork, I would say. So as 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 a child, uh, Uncle Pork borrowed a radio from our father and then like left it in the back of a car and then it melted and dad's never forgiven him. He and loved that radio. Apparently that radio, that radio so much. was his childhood. And then when so were- many memories gone. But as it is with with everything with that, it's the principle of the thing. It's not the thing, it's the principle of the thing. Yeah, because, you know, the five-year-old couldn't afford to replace it for him. I don't know, dude. That one, this one was more recent. Oh, no. It was when Uncle Port came into town after the godmother's divorce and had moved up north. And our dad had a uh, toolbox, a small green toolbox, at which Uncle Pork took Mom, me, and I think you out on the boat. And then the toolbox never made it back into Dad's possession. Oh, that's right. And so the entire of Montmorency County got torn apart looking for this toolbox. <laughs> Meanwhile, most of northern Michigan, the lower peninsula of northern Michigan, and it still hasn't been found. No. Uh, but our father's convinced it it went back to Arkansas with drunk pork. Yeah, and he hates him for it. Purposefully. Intentionally. Yeah. And yeah, but he like maliciously stole him. this. From our father instead of just as like a right mention with drunk pork dumb accidents happen all the yeah, time yeah all the fucking time so yeah Man they got have struck to... by God, his bow got struck by fucking lightning so he's dumb not accidents had happen. great luck yeah. his luck is in the fact that he's survived as long as he has there really is yeah but just barely yeah because then he crashed the boat yeah <laughs> and a man died i know that was sad. oh god he, had, he watched a man die yeah. From a lightning strike. Yeah. Fucking awful. On his um, th- I'm sure there's all kinds of things, but we, like, just try, like, unless it's conversational, we just, like, try not to bring up anything that Uncle Pork has done. The sadder ones that Dan hangs on to are his youngest brother, who I know he was very close with, whose location is currently unknown. We will call him the Lost Uncle. He really has just, like, dropped off the face of the earth. He could be dead. He could be... Well, we know that he's not in prison because Copper's name is Copper because he's a cop. And uh, so he's able... Dad asks him to check, like, the national records every couple of years to see if he's incarcerated and he's not... Because he has been. He has been. um, For things that I'm very ashamed of, to be honest with you, like stalking young women and, and things like that. He's lost in many senses. He's we don't know where he is. We don't know what he's up to. He there were years. From the same mental illness as his mother. Yeah, there were many years where he would just call drunk, asking our dad for money. Like it's a very painful thing. But dad gets more sad, but still like worked up about that one for sure. It's just that like. I think it just pains him that he just, like, couldn't do anything about him. But, and then, yeah, I mean, like, he, I don't think he holds, like, active grudges anymore. I think he's found so much peace since his mom died. 
dad has, just that she's not, like, actively terrorizing anybody anymore, and that, like... And stealing, and has to go collect her from a, uh, the jail. Yeah, she's not out shoplifting anymore. We've got a whole episode on her that we'll get into, but, like, there are certain... We know that there are certain stories that if we bring them up, it's it's not worth the pain that it causes dad. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing about all of these, right? Is that, like, in some form or fashion, dad got hurt. Somebody did something that hurt his feelings. And, and didn't apologize. And didn't apologize, and it never got addressed. And so he just has to, like, live with it. Yeah. He resented his mom for many, 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 many years. And we'll unpack that more later. I don't know if he ever had a moment where he said anything that he needed to to her. I do remember the night we committed her to mm-hmm. the mental ward at the local hospital. I said what I needed to to her. That was, it was a weird experience because not only was she like, you know, shit with grandma going down a goddamn gun, but mm-hmm. it was like, as the words were leaving my mouth, I felt such a sense of power because I said the things that I resented for her, uh, her too. And it was, I looked her dead in the eye all of like 21 years old, someone who's in their 70s. And I said, do you realize what you put him through? Do you realize what you put this family through? Do you care? No, well, that's the whole problem. And she looked at me stunned because I was being an insolent little shit. Then dad said, we're going to the hospital. And yeah. she shouted, no, I'm not. Again, we'll unpack that later, but... Yeah, that was the first time I, like, confronted a family member about something directly like that. Yeah. And it felt good. Good. It was, like, it was that same feeling like you're losing oxygen to your head. Yeah. Like, you're, and then your stomach just goes, like, whew. Yeah. The adrenaline was definitely kicking. Yeah. Because the number of nights he got off the phone and threw the phone out I of know. frustration with her and shit like that. He and we didn't deserve that. No. Like, the family didn't deserve that, so... No, and that's what I mean about, like, he pops off about the little stuff, but the stuff that, like, we don't bring up around him is because, like, the unspoken part of that is because, like, that person hurt his feelings deeply, and he doesn't know how else to, or he chooses not, He th- this is how he expresses it. Yeah, after she passed, it was, uh, he, said, just, he, he said, he said, it's over, it's finally yeah. over, I'll yeah. be able to sleep tonight. But that quickly rolled into him having to care for his father-in-law. Uh, our grandpa, mm-hmm. um, mom and dad, uh, mom and Aunt Universe's mother and uncle, brother, cousin's dad lived with them for a year and a half. Our grandfather was fucking nasty and gross mm-hmm. and a farmhand and, an and, rude, and rude and sexist mm-hmm. and condescending and demanding. Sprayed snot and boogers everywhere in, in his house, in our, mm-hmm. our dad, mom's house. Shit his pants. Our dad had to clean him many times mm-hmm. and our dad had just retired had gotten like three four months into his, fir- his first months of his retirement and, and he's taking up cooking he's loving his life he's doing all these new things turns out dad loves domestic work mm-hmm. he loved having that house in order for when mom got home he loved that switch of revert that of roles mm-hmm. the quote-unquote role and so mom get home the laundry's done the yard is mowed the house is clean the dishes are done and dinner's about to land on the table what a what a wonderful way to come home. And then when our grandfather moved in, it was hijacked. And our dad's first year and a half of his retirement was completely hijacked. And he he never felt like he got back to that because again, until you know they had it was constant visits and doctor even after they put him into a home, it was doctor's appointments and visits and stuff that he had to get his father-in-law to. Mm-hmm. And I say him. 
he was the primary caretaker and also like legally speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a, it was really hard on both of him and mom. Yeah. But dad harbored more resentment. Mom, it was, we, we got to do this. Yeah. Well, I, if she handles her anger differently than dad does when she feels it. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure the, yeah. the, the resentment is there and that she's not, you know, she, I'm sure there's part of her that wishes she could give dad that time back. Right. Right. Cause she was still working through that whole time. Yeah, so dad dad carries a lot of like unresolved tension in him, but it's not something that like comes up every day or that like I think actively thinks about. That's why I call it like passive, is that like it has to get brought up, it has to get he has to be reminded of it and then he feels it again. Yeah, because most times, too, if it comes up, mom will nip it. Right. Shut it down, squash it, we can move back on, because she knows him. Right. Oh God, they've, they've known each other for 50 years. Yeah, and it's not done in an invalidating his feelings way. Mm-hmm. It's done in a way that's like, if we keep going down this path, it's only going to make you feel worse. Let's go back. Or, you know, like, at least when it's to you and me, it'd be, you know, your father, don't get him worked up on that, because then I'll have to deal with him for the next two days. Right. Yeah, and he doesn't need that right now. Right. Think about his blood pressure. Right. <laughs> Our cousin Karen, this is the godmother's cousin. Godmother's daughter? Sure. Who fucking knows anymore? I get confused. I can't imagine how the audience feels. She is a piece of work, and we have a whole episode designated to our cousins and everything with them. She's been a triggering force for you for a few years now. Yeah. Sound off on that? Yeah, yeah. <sighs> she... I really wasn't able to articulate it even to myself or like really dive into it myself until like after this holiday season. But she has been a consistent source of disappointment for me. Oof. Fuck me gently. That it was <laughs> I remember being very young. So the, the other thing is like geographically uh, on our dad's side, Copper and Karen are the cousins that we were closest with, both like geographically and our families were closest with that like dad and the godmother were very close and like our families are too. And so, but yeah, like she has always been someone who without knowing it has had the power to like disappoint me, has done so on a consistent basis, not even consciously. I I think they're, they're such a subtly selfish person. Yeah. So like, I remember, yeah, like being young, being at their house, wanting to be included, her always saying that I would be, implying that I would be included or say or make she she always makes promises she to me that she can't keep or doesn't intend to keep or doesn't intend to keep but the word like she 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 doesn't lip service it's all lip service yeah so like yeah when we were young it was like oh when I get back from hanging out with my friends we'll do this or you know like the next time I see you we'll do this and then she like wouldn't be around when the next time I saw her so stuff like that growing up and it only got and that's why like like, I told that story earlier about her rehearsal dinner for her wedding of, like, she said that to me. And the minute I was, like, we were out to the car, I started crying because, like, I just knew it wasn't true. Like, that she just, like, blatantly lied to me in front of everybody. I was embarrassed because I so badly wanted to be included. Like, I so badly want... It's so funny that, like, she's the one... She probably also sits around going, I really wish I was closer with Mac. I really like Mac, and I really wish that we could be closer. <laughs> But her fucking behavior towards me is the thing that stops her and I from having a close relationship. Like, it's her inability to keep her word and her fucking lip service that stops me from feeling close with her. Because she just, like, consistently 
as a kid, like, I just wanted her to like me. Like, I just wanted her to include me. I also would love to have that kind of relationship with her, but I cannot trust her to have that kind of relationship. And so those kind of things just, like, kept happening, right? Where she would just, like, consistently disappoint me. And I remember, and again, as Spud mentioned, we'll get into this in the Cousins Weekend episode, but I remember going down for a Cousins Weekend getting super fucking drunk. But I had earlier in the day promised Karen's daughter that I would wake up the next morning and go to a softball game, go to one of her softball games. She was in, like, fucking peewee league. It didn't really mean it, you know? Weenie league? Yeah. It's 7.30 in the morning. This little hand starts brushing my shoulder and going, Mac, Mac. I'm hungover as hell. And there's a sweet little baby going, it's time for my softball game. You said you would come. And the literal thought that I had was, I'm not going to be your mom. And I dragged my shit out of bed and I went to her little softball game and just to see her just like looking over at me in the stands and being so thrilled that like her cousin that came to town was there for her game. It was like totally fucking worth it. But it was, yeah, like that's the thought that I had. No wonder her kids love our family so much. We follow through on our word. Yeah. Like I just remember being like, I'm not going to do to her what her mom did to me. Yeah. And I'm going to drag my hungover ass out of bed and I'm going to go to this fucking game. And Karen's husband teased me the whole time because I was hungover, which was fine. But I was, but, but like it, he stopped when I said I told her I would come. I'm a man of my word. Yeah, it's kind of the vibe. But like, yeah, like I'm a person of my word. And especially when it comes to children. It has to mean something. Like that's the only way, that's the only way the world's going to get better. You know, like... So there's that, and then, like, most recently, my favorite uncle took his own life. And by all measures and metrics, Karen chose not to be at the funeral. Do you want me to tell that story? No, I can do it. Okay. He took his life very suddenly. It was, I mean, as it's never not a shock when someone does that, I suppose, but... None of us, nobody, even his wife, had any clue. And um, we'll get more into that in a later episode. But the part that's relevant for this is that um, I had to go alone. None of, like, Spud and our our parents couldn't come to the funeral because of the time of year it was. They got snowed in. Like, the flights were being canceled. Yeah, as they were at the airport. Yeah. Trying to go. And a train Um, ride would have been two days we would have missed it we tried everything we tried everything yeah to the point where mom and dad even got stuck in chicago Mm -hmm. on one hand i am grateful that karen's family like lives not far from there and was able to go pick mom and dad up from the airport and have them there but before all of that happened when all of the plans were being made She said, it's my daughter's birthday party that weekend, and I don't want to leave my husband with it, and so I'm not going to make it. Uh, It was just like the straw that broke the camel's back for me with her, because she didn't do the bare minimum that I know her mom taught her better. I know that her mom taught her the importance of showing the fuck up, and it just... It was just the the last disappointment that I could take was her choosing not to be there. 
would have been so different if she got sued in like everybody else. It would have been so different if she tried. We got snowed in literally by minutes. Yeah. And she could have had an earlier flight out of there. Yeah. If she'd chosen to show up. Mm-hmm. But it was easier to stay at home, have all her friends, her kids' parents, her kids' friends' parents over, and she could have a drunk, bougie, white lady weekend. She took the easy way out, as she always does. And I hate her for it. I just... And then she had the audacity when I was there, and I was trying to... I was Skyping with Mom and Dad, and I was trying to ask Dad if he wanted me to read the suicide note for him. And she butts in like she always does and starts jerking off about family and how... Was she on the Skype call, too? Yes, she inserted herself into the background of the Skype call to talk about... She told me that she was proud of me and that, like, she could, you know, she was like, I know it's tough being there. And I was like, no, you don't. You don't, because you left me here alone. You could have been here for me. Could have been here for everybody. But she didn't even bother showing up. Your core family got literally stuck and trapped. But I made it out here. Yeah, you're close with his family and whatnot. But like you said, proximity, people we close. She would have been the most familiar face you could have clung to. She could have been your ally in that moment. Not that you had enemies, but she could have been your person. And you guys could have had that. Yeah. But she chose to stay home and get drunk. Right, as if her husband can't handle a nine-year-old's birthday party. Like, the man's highly competent at many things. He he just is. Like he's, He can't handle her. It's true, but, like, he still could have went and got mom and dad from the airport. Like, he still could have, you know, he his family's in that area. And we're not close with them, but they are nice people. And we've met them before. And it would have been fine. Like, they could have... Like, somebody else could have went and got mom and dad. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's so many things yeah. that could have happened. And for where... all the shit that was going on, when all that shit started going down, for the person to be the most hysterical about everything, they did the least. She did. She did the least to make sure that anybody was actually well. She did the least to to care for the family that she just, like, so loves to masturbate to the idea to. Obsessed. And... With the idea She's of, obsessed with this doing... idea of a close family, but doesn't do the work to have a close family. And I, I can't stand the hypocrisy, and I'm deeply hurt by the fact that she chose not to be there. And uh, You wait 20 years after our parents are gone, we're going to tell her one day. Yeah, it's really the only thing stopping me mm-hmm. is the fact that, like, they have a close relationship with her. They're her godparents, and that meant something when that happened. Apparently. Well, that's the other part that fucking drives me up a wall is that, in, and we talked about this in the Godmother episode, instead of turning to our parents to be grandparent figures for our, her children, she went and found these motherfucking strangers to have her kids. We'll get into that, but after the Godmother died, but, like... It's just, it's disrespectful. Mm-hmm. She's just so fucking fake, and I, I don't That's know how, to, I don't know how to talk to her. And so she, she called and interrupted Christmas Eve this year, and Mango and I stayed in the other room because I just can't. I can text her 
fine. I can't talk to her on the phone. Yeah, she FaceTimed right before about to sit down to dinner. Yeah, she FaceTimed our parents and, and dad. Being boomers, they can't not answer a phone. Right. They don't, say, they don't we'll have a concept of, like, screening a call. Yeah, honey, we'll call you back. And so... That turned into a fight. It turned into a fight because dad was like, well, you put me in an uncomfortable situation. And I didn't have the gall at the time to be like, you put me in an uncomfortable situation. But you guys did step out of the room and went and talked. Well, yeah, after I burst into tears at the dinner table and had to excuse myself. And I'm throwing down with my... Right, about how to screen calls and dad comes. Well, no, because he pushed me, because he always does. He pushed Mm -hmm. me and he pushed me. And then he pushed me into a spot where I felt like I had to apologize for something I wasn't sorry for. And then I ended up bursting out that, like, I'm mad at her because she didn't come to your brother's funeral. And I don't know how to talk to her anymore. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go in the bathroom and, like, try to clean the snot off my nose so I can eat my pizza in peace. And then, you know, he comes and finds her. He's like, I had no idea. Well, then he tried to make excuses for her. Like, mm-hmm. well, maybe they didn't have the money. Didn't have the money? Are you fucking kidding me? That's what he tried to say? That's why he's like, maybe they couldn't afford it on such short notice. I was like, that's bullshit. It's bullshit. They absolutely had the money to make that happen. They, she made a choice. Because if they didn't have the money, dad would have paid for it. Exactly. Exactly. And so I was just like, okay. He was like, you know, I really just try to like, you know, he, I let him have it because it was Christmas Eve and he was like, she just wasn't meant to be there. And I, I was just like, okay, well, you know, he takes such comfort in, in that phrase I gave him, especially when that happened. Like what I, the, he finds peace in there's a phrase by a a Muslim scholar that, you know, my heart is at ease knowing that what is meant for me will not miss me and what misses me was never meant for me. And, like, Dad takes peace in not being at his brother's funeral in that. So he was like, she just wasn't meant to be there. And I wasn't going to push back on him on that. Because if that's how he wants to feel about it, that's fine. But the difference is, is he tried to get there, she didn't. Exactly! I was like, no, she made a choice. So, yeah, I don't know how... Because I've seen her since then. Being in person at our grandmother's funeral was fine. I could just, like, we're in, like, a large group setting. It's fine. But, like, I can't be, I can't have, like, intimate sounds like a weird word to use in this situation. But I can't have genuine one-on-one conversations with her. Even in, excuse me, like, the smaller group settings of just, like, her calling our parents. Like, I I can't. I don't. I am not over the, the, like, the massive amounts of disappointment I feel about her and in her to the point where like I I mean like I texted her later because she got drunk and texted me at midnight and was like we love you Merry Christmas and I texted her back and I was like sorry I missed you on the call earlier like Mango and I were in the other room wrapping last minute presents you know how it is Love you too. We'll keep you updated on wedding info. But I mean, it's just that little microcosm of a moment is, is like classic her. Mm-hmm. She'll she'll insert into a moment your lives completely inconvenience everybody at her convenience mm-hmm. uh, to try to have a try to force a, a moment yeah. uh, feelings and then quickly retract without any cause of concern of the chaos or disorder she's inserted yeah. or caused. Because she wants the family moments when she's feeling it. Again, doesn't care to put in time. Family, friends, is not for the good times. Family is for the shit. 
when you're in the weeds. You have you have many many good times with your family, so that when you have shit times, you have something positive to reflect on. Yeah. The point of family. If, if that's the kind of relationship she wants, you know, she's got plenty uh, of superfluous, superficial, well-mean friends that she can do that with. We need something more. Yeah, like, uh, I'm not here for the bullshit. Mm-mm. And Never that's frankly it. what I love about her brother. Mm. Is that I don't have to be fake with him. I can disagree with him. I can... We can be have like very different opinions on a lot of things. But if I was in trouble, if I was in trouble and I couldn't get a hold of our parents, or if I was in trouble or they were in trouble and I needed to call somebody, I could call him. And, and that's the difference too between like the way their parent her their mom parents raised them was that you know these the godmother is was such a person of character, integrity. And it's, I, I think that's the other thing, too, is you make those subconscious comparisons. Is like, we know you were raised right. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. yeah. I don't have to fake around him. I don't have I, to I, pretend. I feel differently, but we can talk about that later. Yeah, I know. I, I'm, and I'm glad you have that relationship with him. He's not for me. I um, know. You and I have had unresolved tension before. We have. I think we're in uh, a better place than we've ever been. And, and I do think conflict can breed stronger bonds. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a lot of childhood stuff. Just there's the six year difference between us made mm-hmm. things challenging. It's a different and power dynamic there. We were going through a lot of different things at different times. And mm-hmm. so like, as I've like, I've come out of the weeds on like puberty uh, and you're going into it. I'm like, I've been there, done that. I have, I have no patience for it right now. Right. Kind of thing. Whereas as I'm entering it, you're like, I just want to have fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's just, and I'm like going through moods and help, hyper self-consciousness and all this. And I think that created a lot of opportunity for conflict and un, at, any, at least at the time, unrecognized tensions. Yeah. I can only speak for myself, but I'm a mouthy asshole. I guess I could speak for you when I say you're a mouthy asshole too. <laughs> And so there are, there are times where we have just, we do, we have said really mean, cruel things to each other that we yeah. regret. We very much regret. Yeah. Because kids kids also do shitty things to each other. And yeah, the yeah. power dynamic. I was awful to you. Awful at times. You had moments where you were awful to me. Right. It's true. Yeah, definitely reveled in being the older brother and the power dynamic there, especially like when it came to like me watching you and making sure you were fed and safe while mom and dad were out at work. Yeah. Yeah. Saying shitty things like, hey, are you hungry for lunch? What would I say? Kitchen's right there. Go to the kitchen. You can make yourself some food. Yes, but when left to my own devices, what would I make? A butter sandwich. And then who got in trouble? You did. She's fine. Spud, she's got the squirts. Right. <laughs> what did you let her eat? Whatever I she wanted. Know. She's she a went mat- in the kitchen and made it herself. She's a mature adult. Right. <laughs> but you'd also like, I'm going to call mom at work. So I would literally yank the cord out of the wall because it was before cell phones and shit and, and hide that because I was much taller. I'm still much taller than you. And then I'd put it up on a high spot where you couldn't get it. Yeah, the sheer terror that that caused probably didn't even I'm register. I'm so alone. 
Yeah, it didn't even register for me until I was an adult of, like, how much that actually scared, like, how much of a bad idea that that actually was for the both of us to do that. But well, I remember, too, like, I never hit you, except those one or two times, because Mom made sure that there were swift and meaningful consequences for that. Yeah, I'll be honest. I never thought of you as mean. I never thought of you as a mean person. I never thought of you... And let's be honest, the evidence is all there. I was nothing but sycophantically in love with you. Like I was just like adored you. Every like paper, every like there any any chance I had to talk about how fucking incredible you were, like I took it at school. Like I just like I and I still do. Like I adore you. I think you're hilarious and fantastic and I love spending time with you and like as a kid, it was just like you, because you were like six years older than me, it was almost like you were this just like imagination factory for me, right? But like, you know what I mean? That like, I didn't have to come up with shit. On my, I've never had, well, not never, but like as a kid, it was like I never had to come up with shit on my own because it has the best ideas and we're going to play Godzilla and Batman at the same fucking time, you guys, like. Yeah, like, I, I loved spending time with you. And, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, you did... There were days where we weren't didn't get along. There were probably weak stretches where Mom was just ready to fucking lose it because we just, like, couldn't seem to to get it together. But I, I, I never doubted that you loved me, and I never doubted that, like, push come to shove, you would do everything you could to make sure I was fine and safe. Absolutely. I don't think of myself as an original person. I mean, it was just all copies, copy, just things that I already seen. But I guess for you, you're like, wow, that's genius because it's the first time you'd seen it. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that dynamic with things. But you know, when I talk about you to other people, uh, you know, you're you're the musically inclined one. You're, I, you know, she's she's way book smarter than I I ever am. I mean, kind of things. But that also like mounts a lot of pressure on you to Perform. continue to live up to that. Yeah. I think too there was the the especially the age difference and you know things as we found more as we're transitioning into adulthood it, it, it's harder because I think there's this subconscious pressure that at least for you to keep up like where I'm at sometimes. with my career versus yours. Uh, yeah, sometimes. And part of me too, like like a little bit of competition part in me too says like oh well Mac went and got her master's degree and I'm sitting here with my my BS feels like BS. But then I'm like, then I have to get over myself. I'm like, stop, that's ego talking. I think that's probably why I'm not a competitive person. I'm the least competitive person I've ever met in my entire life. I feel the same way about myself. Yeah, I have like zero interest in competition. I think part of that is like, what is the you, what, what is the point of competing with somebody who's six years older than me? Or especially competing on a field, a field or a level, or not a level, at, in something that doesn't make me happy. Right, the play like I was born, and and this sounds like way worse than I than I mean it, but I'll explain it. Like I was born on an uneven playing field. Like I was I was never going to like at those stages of development as children, we were never going to be at the mm-hmm. same place with whatever we were approaching. So like why why bother? Like why, why bother? Put that pressure on yourself. Right, like why bother getting competitive? And, and honestly, the like, the only times I ever felt those dynamics wasn't, not that it wasn't between you and I, but it didn't come from you and I. It came from mom and dad. Yeah. 
Because I remember, and I, I need you to know that I don't resent you for this, and that I'm not actively harboring resentment, period, about this, but I remember the night I got invited to, or, like, whatever, into, like, the academically talented students program for our school district. What I remember of that night is us spending the evening celebrating your accolades, because even then, at the tender ages of what, seven and two, no, I was older, nine and 13, mom and dad were very concerned about your very fragile male ego. And that like, if I was somehow doing something that you needed to also feel good about yourself. See, they flipped that script too, for me, because mm-hmm. like part of it, like, again, I don't harbor any resentment and whatnot, but it, I had six years on this planet where I was self-satisfactory. Mm-hmm. And then you come along, and then suddenly I got to share every fucking thing. Mm-hmm. And those kind of things still kind of play out. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about this. I talk to you now more than ever. Mom and dad, because of that period of time where we weren't in a good spot, mm-hmm. mom constantly has to make sure I get a, a Mac update because right. she wants to you know, family force it together. Yeah. Listen, bitch. I talk to her more than you talk to her. Yeah, it's true. I don't need a Mac update every time I talk to you, and I don't need you to sit here and justify Mac's existence. Right. We're in a good place. Now you're th- Now you're getting mad because now she's getting mad because she thinks we're conspiring against her. It's, it, it's one or the other. It's one or the other with her. Yeah, it is. Either we're not getting along and she needs to play mediator, or we're getting along so well that she assumes that we're somehow conspiring to her demise, which, which is we are. Nice. But it's it's for her happiness. It is. She's fine. Every then suddenly every time. I got something you had to, too. And, and I do remember, like, certain things would play out. I'd be like, can't I just have my one thing? That's yeah. my. Yeah. But they started playing that, too, with Little Professor when he came around. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't shut up about you going for your master's degree when we were just got back from his graduation. Yeah. For his master's degree. Yeah. And Dad couldn't stop talking about him being a master electrician. Bitch, that's a certificate. Not to diminish your accomplishments, man, but it doesn't compare. It, well, it's baby boomer bullshit is what it is. Yeah. It is. Cause so it, like, he, now, he harbors resentment against, uh, a little professor harbors resentment against them because his graduation celebration turned into Mac. Yeah. And mom which, picked the restaurant. <laughs> yeah, which being like 19, I didn't have the emo- like emotional maturity or wherewithal to like push back on that or redirect the way I do now. They don't know how to let one person have something. No. And, you know, forcing the sharing and, yeah, just let a person fucking have it. Yeah. There'll be another day. And so, I mean, just to speak to your point about that with them, yeah, they definitely would push and pit against us against each other at, from time to time in very small. You know, yeah, this is it a, was never. This is a boys fight. A boy fights too. Right. Um, it was subconscious. It was unintentional. Right. Yeah. But it also was harmful. Those little subtlety, subtle things. things. Yeah. Yeah. Or God, they couldn't let, you know, their children have an accomplishment without reminding them of their own. Right. Or that we somehow, like, and I'm not denying the truth of it, that we like, like, that we were able to achieve those things because of them. I'm not denying the truth of that, but like bringing it up. Yeah. Is selfish. Yeah. Your timing of bringing that up. Not to mention, we already fucking know. Right, as if I didn't say thank a, you every step along the way. We're not, oh, there's that. And then it's not like, you're not providing us with new information. Right. 
What's um, the benefit of saying this to anybody but you right now? I mean, you, you could go home and put on a candle and peel down your sweatpants and pull one off if you want. But then that's how you handle that. Right. That's how you you let somebody have their moment. Right. Without reminding them of your accomplishments as well. This moment, nobody fucking cares. Yeah. And it, it just comes off as really distasteful. Yeah. I think there's really only one last story to tell. Did you want me to tell it? Sure. Well, if you want to tell it, you can. I'm also fine telling it. If I'll tell it. Okay. I'll frame it in a... I want you to frame it in an accurate way. You don't need to hold back. I will. Anyway. I, will. Okay. I will. There was a moment where you and I had a falling out. Yeah. And there was a series of moments. A couple yeah. of years where you and I weren't getting along, weren't seeing eye to eye on things. Things were really tough. Yeah. I didn't handle that well. And I didn't either. No. We were up north on vacation, which we've talked about before, is a can be a pressure cooker for you. Mm-hmm. You said something really hurtful to me. So I'm pretty good. Take pot shots at me all day. That's fine. It's usually what the group does when we all get together is just make fun of us. But that's me. I'm So I'm pretty good at deflecting that. And at least in my own psychosis, I'm like, well, there was nothing left for Mac to take a stab at me. And so you made the remark that mom had pulled you aside you know, this was years after my coming out and, you know, I'm still coming to terms with what that's going to mean for my future and whatnot. And I'm not going to have biological children and I'm not, more importantly, I'm not going to be able to provide my parents with grandchildren, biological grandchildren. And so Max said to me, you know, mom pulled me aside and said, I'm really glad that you're not gay because you're going to be able to give me grandkids. And that cut me deep. That really hurt. Mm Mm-hmm. I even think it took me a while for that to register how much that hurt. Mm, mm-hmm. Because I think I, in the moment, I, I kind of just flippantly blew it off and like, oh, well, fuck me, am I right? And we just moved on. But then like that really weighed and, and stayed with me. And then I immediately started distancing from you. Again, that hurt. I did not process that hurt well. And a lot of series of actions afterwards, I, I'm not sure went out of spite. Maybe spite, but I started inviting your friends over and hanging out with Bandit without you, and that that was that's hurtful to you. That was hurtful to you. You know, we talk about how Bandit is family, but that 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 wasn't fair, and that wasn't right of me either. I remember like you and I had a couple calls where we we thought we had worked it out. We had a, a we ended up at mom and dad's, and we had a really long conversation in the basement, and I think that's when we started to really put things back together. And then I had you over once, and you don't like, you, you didn't have a good memory of this, but we had talked things out for a couple hours. And because I offered you a cocktail, you didn't like how that worked out. Um, because I felt, you felt like it was, I don't know, how do you explain that? It was taking, you know, taking advantage of you. Taking sort. advantage is a little strong. Yeah. Um, but that I um, had my inhibitions lowered. Like, I didn't know that that's why I was going oh, to your I thought you did. apartment. And I felt, I think, even more unprepared. You had a list. Uh, well, yeah. I didn't feel, feel like I, that we were approaching it on a level playing field because I was underage and you had supplied me with a cocktail. And then you had a list and I just, like, wasn't ready. That's a fair enough assessment. So I caught you off guard and... Mm-hmm came at you with my feelings and I thought we had reached a place of a really good place from there. 
I think it was that moment when we were at mom and dad's, like, you had said to me, no, his dad said to me, like, he goes, I don't know what the hell's going on between you two, but she broke down crying, last, you know, the other day, and she just, you know, I talked to her, what's wrong, what's wrong, and, and she just said, it's all my fault, and then, like, you and I talked later, and I, I realized, like, I, we gotta, I gotta let this go, it, it's not, being mad at you anymore is not helpful. At that point, I think, well, I don't know, was it like a year later? Mm-hmm. At that point, you'd suffered enough. Not like it's my place to put a punishment or a penance on you. And, and really, when that moment, like, you, like, the four of us, like, mom, dad, you, and me, like, we eventually, like, you and I had talked. Like, you and I really broke it down, like, for a couple hours. And we really worked through it. And then, like, we came together for a silly family hug. Yeah. And for me, that was it. We were, we had put it to rest. We were done. But, like, you, you came to me just a few months ago and, and, like, apologized again, and we're good. I know that we're good, and I... I don't resent you for that. I don't harbor resentment anymore. I appreciate that. Doesn't mean I don't... Doesn't mean I'm not mad at myself. Oh, you were 19. You were... I was 18, and I was an idiot, but I was also in the closet, and I was so scared. And it's not an excuse, but, like, I was just, I'm just embarrassed. Is a big part of it that I'm embarrassed that I said that to you and that I hurt you like that and that, um, like, I knew I was bisexual. It, I just, I didn't, I didn't come to terms with it until I was in grad school. And when she said that to me, I just... I couldn't... I really struggle with disappointing people. Yeah. It's I was I was already so... This is the bitch who... We, I mean, by now they know that we love mom very much. But she's still our mom and she's still a person and she's not perfect. But that was the same year that I graduated from high school. And just that... I, it was the summer that I turned 18 and we went up. And that's when it happened. Is that summer? Mm-hmm. And I was, I had gone home and I told her that I was fifth in my class and not third. Well, I didn't say it that way. I said, I'm fifth in my class. I came home and I told her and she looked at me and said, you're not third? I said, no, I didn't make it. Oh, and then she just like went back to making dinner. And then she like said that, like I was like, it was really late one night. I was just like brushing my teeth. And, like, trying to hold it together in the bathroom. And she said that shit to me. And I was just, like, so scared of disappointing her some more. And, like, what I knew was true about myself but hadn't told anybody. And didn't feel like I could because it felt performative. And it felt like everybody in my life was <laughs> was either 50 years old and married or gay <laughs> or trans. That's just, like, how it felt when I was, like, 18. And so I was just, like... If I say anything now, I'm just doing it because everybody else is doing it, and I'm just performing, and I haven't actually been with a woman, so I can't possibly feel that way, and it's not real, and and I don't know why I said it to you, but I was just so scared, and that isn't a reason to make you feel scared and make you feel shit like, like shit, too, and I'm sorry. I love you. I love you, too. Again, this was almost ten years ago. I, I don't sit here stewing about it. I know. And I don't feel hurt about it. I don't feel hurt about it talking about it again. 
I'm not I'm not sitting here reliving it. There's no trauma. Like I said, there we say shitty things to each other from time to time. Yeah. You spend so much time with somebody and you talk with somebody so much, you're bound to say something that's going <laughs> to offend the other person. It's just going to happen. You you need to stop beating yourself up about this. Is what needs to happen next. I know. I'm so Catholic. I can't. I know. Yeah. <sighs> need to drop it. I know. If I was still hurt, I'd tell you. It doesn't mean, like, I don't approach you sometimes a little bit with caution. Because I'm like, what? (laughs) But (laughs) vicious tongue. I'm a mouthy asshole. You're a mouthy asshole. And listen, there's not... It's not like I don't deserve you to snap back sometimes. Same. I think that was, like, the biggest moment for me, like, having unresolved tension was with you. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, there's... There, knock on wood, we have more fights in the future. That you know, we live long enough to have more fights. So yeah, I think we're better equipped to handle them together now, mm-hmm. though, because like there have been times, like um, uh, when Grandpa died, and you got a little too mouthy with Mango, and you and I had to have a conversation about oh, that. Yeah. That was uncomfortable, but it was easier because we kind of wasn't like it mm-hmm. was the first time we've had to I think that's the, what we learned from that too was like don't let the offhand comment that does actually hurt go without being addressed so that if there is a big one or when it does hurt like know that you can say something and that the mm-hmm. other person like you and you and I can work through it right it definitely equipped us to handle things better in the future I think it does you know, conflict can breed better relations, stronger relationships, and it just improves your communication with that person. And I think that sometimes, you know, of the, all the things we've talked about today, that's the saddest part, is that none of these, these assholes have worked any of this shit out, and therefore it just weakens or perpetuates a superficial relationship. And distance. And, and where a distance becomes comfortable, and, and family isn't comfort. Right. Or comforting during hard times. Well, that's the thing about uh, Cousin Karen is like, I don't get comfort. I don't draw strength or comfort from her because mm-hmm. she's just such an energy, a vampire. Of, whereas like our dad, as much unresolved tension as he has, at least with the really folks he's close to, he will address something. He doesn't want stuff, shit hanging in the air. Yeah, which is why Same he goes with mom. Yeah, immediately came to me after realizing how much he'd upset me and we talked it through. They, they also have no sense of boundary or can we can we go can we go talk about this in the other room that thought doesn't cross their mind they're gonna hash it out right there in front of everybody and i'm sitting here trying to have a meal (laughs) yeah and he's coming dad start coming yeah well you went mac you went and made things awkward put us in a weird spot with your cousin and i was just drunk enough to throw down Excuse you? You answer the phone with this bitch in my house? Right. Interrupt our family dynamic? Because you want to see, treat her kids as surrogate grandkids that you don't have? Yeah. Don't don't bring your shit into my house and start throwing down. Go in the other room. <laughs> Let me eat my pizza and drink my cocktail in peace, goddammit. <laughs> Just trying to have some fucking eggnog here. It's best to talk shit out. It is. Yeah, and that, yeah, conflict gives you the tools to handle it better in the future. Yeah. Yeah, again, I think, you know, we're stronger. And and I really, a silver lining of this pandemic is you and I have been communicating a whole lot more. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're we're closer than we have been in a long, long time. Yeah. No, I look forward to these, too. I do. 
Any final thoughts? Uh, those were my final thoughts. Those were your final thoughts. I'm good. You? I know I've cried a lot today. Yeah. I The thing about unresolved tension for me is that I like to have hope that one day it won't be. And so I cry because I'm angry or embarrassed or frustrated, but I know that if I don't let myself feel those feelings, that it won't be unresolved one day. That I have, I, I can't just like push through to resolution. I have to work and feel my way through it. As much as like I have tension with cousin Karen, or even sometimes feel residual tension from dad about these things that have have hurt him i'm i'm still hopeful that one day like i can reach a a point with those people where i'm at peace with where i'm at with them and i hope for anybody who's listening who is also struggling with that whether it's with your family or your friends that that you can find a way to be at peace with these things too here here and as we always say everyone comes from a wild family It's always a good idea to have someone to talk about them with. Don't be judgy. Be a little judgy. Don't be mean. Only if they're mean. We don't get to choose our family. But we do get to choose who our favorites are. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Potatoes and Pasta. Be good, be kind, be forgiving. Until next time, family. Bye. Like, he's just, like, yeah, he just pops off at the smallest shit. It felt like it wasn't unsalvageable or that the bread still wasn't edible. They had to open the bag. It's not like they had opened the bag and, like, pissed in it. Right. Can you imagine getting, like, a piss-soaked bag of bread? Fuck. (laughs) Someone hates you. (laughs) Someone actively hates you. Oh, my God.